We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, Unwritten Rule fans, you can catch us every Monday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Believe Unwritten and enjoy the show. On today's episode of The Unwritten Rule, got a big show. Talking a lot of men's basketball. We're going to recap uh, all of the semantics from the Alabama game for Mizzou. We did that uh, with Drew King of Power Mizzou. So we had him on, got his take on a bunch of stuff. Great interview with him. Kind of give us some insight on uh, you know, the rest of the team going forward. A couple of updates. We talked about John Tanjay being out for the year. Talked about the whole Nato's pushing Aiden Shaw situation. So um, we dove into all of that, the game, what's kind of gone wrong, and what should we kind of be expecting for Mizzou men's hoops the rest of the way. Also talked a little bit about the freshmen and the future guys uh, with the, or not the freshmen, I guess, the uh, 2024 guys, uh, with some of them being All-American nominees. So we had a great interview with him. Uh, before all that, we talked football, uh, Isaiah Hastings decommitting, and then Zion Young, the new guy from Michigan State, uh, the defensive end. So, uh, yeah, great stuff. We then finished with quick hits. We got Jersey of the Week, Sean East Main Birds, and the best things we learned. So, um, great show. Really enjoyed the interview with Drew. So, that's uh, that's definitely a part you're going to want to stick around for. Um, and, yeah, going to get started. But first and foremost, a quick word from our friends at Bet Online. The NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing. Bet Online has you covered with all the up to second odds, news, and scores. Uh, with additional odds, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile devices, you can access the world's best wagering information at any time. So head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. I mentioned the playoffs. We're going to do the Fantastic Four picks now in the intro, the moment everyone's been waiting for. Kenny and Peyton are in a heated race for first. Uh, so they didn't. Usually we make our picks on the dock before we get into the show. Uh, Kenny and Peyton didn't, so they're both, you know, they can both haggle about it. But we're going to do that. We got all those lines from Bet Online. So we'll do that now. First game, Kenny, I'm leading the charge. I know normally, I know that normally you lead the charge on Fantastic Four, but you're, you have to focus on these picks. So first game, we're going to do the divisional playoffs. Uh, I went in chronological order. Texans, Ravens, it's the birds by nine and a half. I picked the Texans. Not that that matters. What order are we doing this? Are you, uh, is, are we switching Regular each order. game? Regular, Regular order, order, just every time? Yep. Okay, yep, that can, what does that give an advantage to Peyton? Yeah, because then I could just switch my pick. You could, you could. All right, Kenny. Texans okay. right. Um, I'm only a game behind, you can see. And is shaking right now. If you go on the YouTube, he's um, nervous. This is everything Subscribe to here. the YouTube. Um, I got to take the Texans, though. Taking my hometown dogs. We're going all, right. all the way this year. 10 is just too much. I'm taking the Texans as well. Okay. So there's a split on that. Uh, Packers, Niners. I love what the Packers did against the Cowboys. I still have the Niners. They kind of own them in the playoffs. Again, doesn't matter. Kenny, upset? Yeah. Cover? I agree. I agree oh, okay. that they own them. I still think 49ers are winning. It's a lot of points, like Peyton said. Packers are playing good football. I think they keep it within 10 points. Go Pack. Okay, Packers cover. That is just too much. I took the Packers. All right. They're tied again. They got You guys get to split at some point. 
Uh, Bucks Lions. I thought the line on this was interesting. Six and a half. I still took the Lions at home. I love what the Bucks did against the Eagles. I love Baker. Uh, great guy. Love what he did to Kansas. Kenny? I'm in the same boat. Um, this is one I keep going back and forth oh. on. Yeah, it's been too, annoying yeah. me like crazy right now. Um, but I think the Lions can win by a touchdown. Okay. Peyton? Okay. I only have a split here. I think it's awesome that these two quarterbacks are about to play first spot one game from the Super Bowl. I don't think the Lions lose this game. I think they do win, but I am taking the Bucks to cover. I think the Bucks will cover. I really think Baker's playing good football. That's a team playing inspired. Um, that's the proof. Once you get to yeah. the dance, anything can happen. So I hope the Bucks uh, keep it close. I love both. Like both of these teams, just with Baker, I'm happy if either of them win. Like I, I will, I will root for them, especially if they're playing the Niners. Uh, last one, Chiefs Bills. Tough line, two and a half in Buffalo. They're finally playing this game in Buffalo. Um, I still took the Chiefs. I think this game has been too close over the years. I think whatever team is is the underdog, I'm still I'm always going to pick to cover in this game. Are you the same, Kenny? Hard to beat a team twice in one year. Yeah. Um, but good thing it's a new year. It's 2024. It's not 2023 anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to pick against the Bills until somebody beats them. And then I won't be able to pick against them at all once they get beaten because we're in the playoffs. I'm taking Bills minus two and a half. All right. I don't know, man. I, I picked against Mahomes last week. It didn't work. I should not do it, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to take the Bills in this one. I think this has to be the, the year they do it. They're at home. This is the weakest the Chiefs have been in years. I just think the Bills are the are, – are, they feel like a team that's destined to, to do it this year. I'm going to take the Bills. Okay. All right, so so the game we're all going to have circled is that Bucks Lions game, which again that could like come down even if the Lions win to like a late score, maybe a field an inopportune field goal, some bad time. Like it's a weird line, so that's the one to keep an eye on. Bucks Lions. Kenny has the Lions. Peyton has the Bucks in the race for first place now in the NFL playoffs. Uh, nice. Thank you to Ben Online for supplying all of those lines. With that, we will kick it to ourselves and get the show started. The unwritten rule starts right now. Attention. Everybody stop what you're doing. It's time for The Unwritten Rule, a Mizzou sports podcast brought to you by the Believe Network, alongside Peyton Haverman and Kenny Van Doren. Here is your host, Jack Knowlton. Welcome back to The Unwritten Rule. Today is Friday, January 19th. And the iconic Missouri, Missouri Tigers career of Isaiah Hastings has unfortunately come to an end. Never forget the Isaiah Hastings era um, was committed for l- less than a week, about a week uh, to Mizzou. Yeah, I don't even think it was a week. Uh, about five days after he transferred from Alabama, he decommitted um, from the Tigers and then immediately uh, flipped to Syracuse. So, um you know, kind of followed in the wake of uh, Kevin Peoples leaving with Blake Baker, of course, that D-line coach. But then the Tigers very quickly said, not so fast, my friend, not so fast, uh, and went out and got another pickup along the D-line. Not a defensive tackle, um, more of a more of a defensive end prospect, but Zion Young, the sophomore from Michigan State, had 21 tackles, or sorry, 26 tackles uh, and one and a half sacks last year for the Spartans. So... Yeah, just thoughts on that in general, going from a guy in Hastings who hadn't played but was maybe a higher recruit 
to guy in Zion Young that last year was a contributor on a Big Ten, you know, defense. I thought that was kind of interesting. I was texting Peyton about that. Like, you know, I'd almost rather have a guy with a little bit of D1 experience rather than someone who's, who's still kind of unproven, even if they were a high recruit. But uh, Hastings out, Zion Young in. Uh, what are y'all's thoughts? I think, honestly, just from a need standpoint, it may it honestly kind of makes a little more sense. For, for the record, I'm not saying this is an either or. I doubt it was. I think they would have taken Hastings and Young. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably have taken Young just because Mizzou's added two defensive tackles this cycle already um, in Webb and McClellan. Um, so, I mean, I think they're a little better there. And DN, I mean, it's a little shoddy outside of um, Johnny Walker. We know he's going to be back. He's going to have to kind of be the Darius Robinson of the D-line uh, next year. I mean, and then you've got like Joe Moore back in the fold, Austin Firestone, a lot of guys that aren't Totally proven. Joe Moore and Austin Firestone had their moments, but they were kind of more rotational guys. So you bring in a guy like Zion Young, the numbers don't jump off the page, but maybe one of him or Firestone or Moore can really kind of take that leap, be next to him. Oh, and by the way, Williams Delaney is in the room as well. So you, it, it, I'm sure uh, someone will emerge out of that group, and the others will, like they did with the DNs last year, just rotate in make a play or two a game. Um, that's really all you can hope for. So Hastings, you never want to lose a commitment, especially from a guy like Isaiah Hastings, who went to Bama, had some power five offers, but just a casualty of losing a coach. Um, Brand Brown, the new head coach up in Syracuse, he's done a great, he's killing it on the recruiting trail. So I'm sure that really won't matter to Mizzou much. I doubt Mizzou and Syracuse will be in many recruiting battles, but in this case, it makes sense for Hastings to move on. Um, if that's the only one they lose, then Mizzou can count itself lucky, really, because a, a lot more guys could have always hopped in that portal after losing Baker and Hastings. I can't wait to play in the great state of New York. I think that's what Drinkwitz could have said if these two teams are actually going to face each other and then he could recruit some people in Syracuse, get some more battles. Sure. Um, this this does go back to what I talked about last week. I didn't really see Kevin Peoples' name out there a lot in the recruiting sphere other than Williams Um, This is just a casualty of losing one of your best assistants and um, that comes with it. Isaiah Hastings, not a lot of experience behind him in games, but SEC caliber player, SEC experience, and that's what he brought to the table um, another guy coming in from the uh, Power Five school, Zion Young coming in, and that—that's just what you need uh, if you're going to go out there and get guys that have excelled at you know a Group of Five level. That's great and all, but you still want those guys that had the experience in coaching staffs um, in those rooms against opponents that you'll be facing as well. Um, and you've seen that with multiple guys in this transfer cycle. Yeah, I, that was kind of the other question I wanted to go. And I know we talked a whole lot about basketball. There wasn't a ton of football news, by the way, Mizzou doesn't still doesn't have a DC who, so we still have, you know, kind of there, not that on much the updated. DC front. There is a yeah. name out there that I think will catch quite a few people off guard. I'm not going to say it because it's AWOLD information, but okay. That's um, what I was going to ask. But yeah. so there's some stuff, there's some rumblings, but still have anyone out there. But I guess that's what I was going to ask is, you know, I, I think especially and this isn't this isn't an uber fair comparison, but like, you know, obviously in another SEC program in like Alabama losing Saban, they've had like 25 guys transfer and he was he was 
you know, an iconic coach. But when Mizzou, you know, loses a DC and Baker, loses Kevin Peoples, have you know, I don't think you guys like are you guys surprised with you know how many guys have still been willing to kind of I guess stay and stick it out, haven't you know opted to top in the portal and maybe test the waters, um, you know, with the exception obviously of, of Hastings, who was coming from somewhere else already. Well, what's interesting with that, it is a good sign that they've only lost one uh, yeah. commit in the portal. I, I don't know if players could necessarily hit the portal right now because Baker left after the deadline. I know there's a rule about coaching changes. Oh, that's a good point. I guess I don't only know. Only for head coaches. To, yeah, yeah it I figured that was only for head You're coaches. Right. But I mean, normally when that happens, you still see guys like say, like, hey, in the spring window, I'm gone. And maybe that right, still right. does happen. I don't know. At this point, I kind of would wager we would have heard something about maybe some contributors leaving, um, particularly in the safety room. I mean, I would have looked at guys like Dalen Carnell or maybe Marvin Burks as like guys that I would have watched. But I mean, you look at both of them. I mean, and Kenny has explained this before. I mean, the way Mizzou recruits is so different than just a DC is trying to lock in guys. I mean, Drinkwitz is normally has a hand in almost all these recruitments. So I'm sure that helps. Um, hopefully it doesn't get any worse. We'll see what happens after the spring window. Um, I'm sure. But for now, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Primary example of that recently is Trajan Greco, who flipped from Georgia Tech primary guy he talked to wasn't the safeties coach in DC. It was, you know, he talked with Blake Baker a lot, but his guy was Drinkwitz. Drinkwitz was pushing for him for months, even when he was com verbally committed to Georgia Tech, getting him to flip. And he finally announced that declaration a couple weeks ago at the All-American Bowl. Uh, and that, that's just kind of works. And yeah, you got it. A lot of these kids are told, you know, you're not committing just to me. You're committing to the school. And um, a lot of coaches will bring guys with them to say, you're not coming with me. You know, you're committed to the school, you know, maybe down the line, if it's not working, then you find somewhere else to go, but this is who you, uh, committed to. You didn't commit to me. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, it's a good read on, you know, how you can kind of hold it together, even when there are coaching changes, you know, within the staff, you know, or underneath Drinkwitz rather it again goes into, I think we were talking off air, how, you know, he's kind of embracing that CEO role. It's it's he has a hand in everything, um, but he de he's he's delegated in this last season and we've seen kind of the the results of it. Um, last thing I'll ask before we kick it to ourselves talking to Drew. This is another thing I, I texted Peyton. and I'm curious both of your guys thoughts on this. Um, there is that spring window. I think it's like 15 days beginning in in uh, mid to late April. If I remember, I looked it up yesterday. Um, but what are the biggest needs now heading into heading into that? Obviously, it might be a little tough to tell without a DC in the in the fold. But uh, on both sides of the ball, uh, where do you guys see you know potential you know more more potential portal ads maybe coming in? I'd still like to see Mizzou add a corner. Um, they got Toriano Pride. They have Dre Norwood and Marcus Clark uh, back in the fold. I just I, I kind of would be super comfortable if that's all they do. I would think. One more corner probably solidifies that room. Probably one another defensive tackle. Um, I'm sure they, they will look at that considering they would have had three with Hastings. Maybe they look at the D, another DN. Who knows, really? Um, and then the, the second one, I think the second biggest need really outside a corner, I'd say a left guard. I still don't think you have like a true starter penciled in there. The rest of the O-line, I think you have your guys already filled in 
Aiden Green's going to be your left tackle. Uh, Tallis in the center, obviously. Cameron Johnson at right guard. I would not move Armand Membu from right tackle. I think he's been great there. Uh, they should keep him there. But left guard, I mean, I, I'm not sure really who right now I would feel super comfortable with stepping in and taking it. I know Reichert has maybe a chance to take that spot. They got Javen Richardson out of the portal. Maybe he could pick guard. Um, but we'll see. I, I, I think left guard and corner are the two I would say are the biggest needs. I agree with that. Um, I'm also not against another linebacker, an experienced linebacker that is as well. I we liked what we saw from Newsom and um, Hicks down down the stretch, uh, stepping up for those guys that are injured. And I know, Jack, you're very big what you saw from Newsom. Uh, Brayshon Littlejohn, exactly. another guy that they're very excited about, especially as a leader um, is on special teams or even at the linebacker position next season in his second year. Uh, I just wouldn't be against getting some depth. Um, we saw Hopper come in two years ago and really turn it up and elevate his play in the SEC and I think they can do that same thing if, D, if with DJ Smith remaining on the staff. Yeah. Oh, Peyton, you have another thing? I, they did. They added flag. Um, so that definitely. Oh, shoot. I totally forgot about him. Yeah. yeah it's all right. There's a lot of names. It's a lot of names. Um, I forgot about him too, to be honest. Um, you know, but again, who knows? Your depth point still stands. Like maybe they go they, after. They, I still would say. Yeah. I, mean, maybe they still I, I don't think else. any depth, extra depth would hurt there. Yeah, cer- certainly not because I mean as as good I do like Tristan Newson. I thought I thought he had some fantastic games when he stepped in late um but him and Chuck Hicks certainly had their their off days too so like Lord you know nice. throwing yeah throwing them in the fold uh you know expect you're expecting a lot of them so maybe bring in some veteran help um whatever got British on little John's got to play the if he gets like a forced fumble the little John memes in the ensuing winning video that will be made is it will go nuts so he better get in the lineup um i think you give caleb downs a call just give him blank check tell him to sign it i don't know Um, yeah i'm sure everyone (laughs) in the country will be doing just that hey you're doing a you're doing a disservice if you're not at least picking up the phone now he's picking up the phone send someone down there saying hey i mean eastern michigan the worst you that you can be told is no yeah yeah uh, you give him a call. Columbia's really nice in the fall. That's all you can say to him. You get a chance at a revenge game, you know, down in down in Tuscaloosa. Get pretty, booed. Pretty campus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Obviously, it's it's all gonna, you know, a lot of it might change depending on what guys jump in the portal, both possibly from Mizzou and from other schools when that spring window hits. But a thing to look forward to again, rumblings, still no DC yet. Maybe we'll get it soon. We'll have all of it, uh, all the coverage on it, reporting. Uh, when that all comes down the pipeline. For now, let's segue. We're going to kick it to ourselves. We talked to Power Mizzou's Drew King about the Alabama game and the whole um, the whole Nate Oates situation, Nate Oates shove situation. That's what we led with. So great conversation with him and kind of the the immediate and long-term future of Missouri men's basketball. So we will kick it to ourselves. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News and World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Helps to do that. 
Okay, we now welcome on a very special guest, a friend of the show. We love talking to the Power Mizzou guys. We got Drew King back on. Um, Drew, good to see you first and foremost. Um, mm-hmm. I talked to you a couple days ago to preview the game we're about to recap. I know yeah. Kenny, Payton, uh, Kenny and Peyton hadn't seen you for a while. We haven't been on the show. So um, welcome back. Uh, we've got an eventful game to dive into. And I think, you know, we maybe weren't expecting it to be as, as eventful as it turned into uh, with Mizzou against Alabama. Um, 93-75, Alabama wins. Um, we can get into the last 10 minutes of the game as well because I think, you know, that's where it all kind of went wrong for Mizzou. They were yeah. hanging with Alabama. Um, but I do think we need to start with the push um, where, you know, this was a chippy game. I don't, again, I don't know how, I, I certainly wasn't expecting it to be as, as physical as it was. I think from a Mizzou perspective, you know, turning the game into that helped them until they kind of ran out of gas at the end. But we can get into all that. But then it all kind of divulged, you know, near halftime. There's the scrum over by Alabama's bench. Nate Oates pushes Aiden Shaw. Uh, there's no tech called. They called, I think, offsetting ones on uh, Alabama's Aaron Estrada and Sean East. Uh, no tech after the game. Gates and Oates both spoke about it. Uh, we had the call to the SEC, who then gave Oates, I believe it was a public reprimand, was ultimately the, uh, the punishment given away sounded to me more like the equivalent of like your fifth grade teacher yelling at you the next day for like pissing off the mm-hmm. substitute. I don't know. Um, what was your read on all of that? I know it just, just was, it was a big conversation point on both sides. Yeah. So I don't know if y'all had this, uh, but back in kindergarten, you know, we had like a, 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 a wall with like our, our names on it and then like three strips of paper and it was red, yellow, and green. Right. It's, so I think the sec told Nate Oates to go put his name on yellow that's kind of what they did in this case. Um, but no, I, so obviously like horrible situation here. Um, cannot have a coach putting his hands on a player. Um, Nate Oates sort of kind of apologized afterward and said, you know, it's an unfortunate situation, which like, no kidding, Nate, it's an unfortunate <laughs> situation. Um, uh, and so I, I kind of have, a feeling that maybe Mizzou's coaches didn't see it happen in the moment because um, they didn't have too much of a reaction to it, which was a little bit surprising um, because like Dennis Gates is somebody who stands up for his players almost more than anybody I know. So um, I, I don't think that he would have been okay with what had happened if he had seen it when it did happen. Um but yeah, so uh, like I said, Nate Oates apologized. Dennis Gates afterward, I think, made a really good point about what if Aiden Shaw had retaliated? What was going to happen there? Um, and uh, made a point that like Aiden deserves a lot of credit for showing restraint. Said after the game, you know, he gave Aiden a big hug. Hug said, "I'm really proud of you for what you did in that moment." Um, and, and then I, I was pretty disappointed with the SEC's response to it, not because um, the punishment for Nate Oates didn't go far enough. Like if you're going to reprimand him, it is what it is, right? You could have suspended him a game, but if not, whatever, right? Um, But I I think that there did need to be more discipline in the moment, specifically from the officials. And they kind of let Nate Oates get away with that, despite being like, right there in front of them seeing it happen and 
there was like no accountability for the referees in this situation, at least publicly from the SEC. And I felt like Mizzou at least deserved that, that there was an acknowledgement of wrongdoing here. So um, that's kind of my whole takeaway from everything. Um, I don't know if y'all have any different perspectives here. You don't see like, I mean, in any sport these days, it's, I mean, it's very small group that, um organizations the sec nfl whoever it is don't really like i mean call out their reps i i mean they mm-hmm. didn't really like go after who who could have prevented this who could have stopped it who could have um i mean made the right call in the moment and i think there was a, a clip that went around right after at, at the end of the first half tamar bates kind of you know like we said it was a chippy game going back and forth and yeah Dennis, you know kind of grabbed him and told him you know stop it like stop talking i'm not gonna say what he exactly said that you could read what he mouthed but <laughs> And he was telling him to stop. I mean, what does that kind of say about Dennis's character? Just trying to, I mean, put everything down, you know, don't let anything escalate. Yeah. So like one of the hallmarks of Dennis Gates on the sideline is he's, he's always level-headed. He's very cool, right? Very calm and stressful situations. And so um, I, I think he expects the same out of his players. And so in that moment, for Tamar to try to mouth off to Alabama's bench at halftime. Um, I I think it was kind of out of character for what Dennis Gates expects from his team. And so um, I I, I didn't get the chance to ask him about it afterward. We might get to at the press conference tomorrow. Um, But yeah, that was an interesting moment in a game full of them, right? Because later on you have uh, Grant Nelson getting in Ant Robinson's face after a block. He picks up a tech. And then later in the game, I think, Jack, you mentioned it, like you had offsetting technicals. I didn't even see because like they were showing a replay during the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I don't know exactly what that was for, but I think it was Noah Carter and um, either Latrell Wrightsell or Aaron Restrada, one of those two players from Alabama. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was just a super chippy game. And but it, it really did start with Nate Oates shoving Aiden Shaw. Like that's kind of where everything began. And does Missouri maybe need to kind of, I don't know, it almost seemed for 75% of that game, they played almost more inspired, kind of a lot better than I think they've played in other stretches mm-hmm. of the season. Do they maybe need to just try and kind of be that physical, chippy team, kind of just drag teams down into the mud to say, like, just try and get, just have that style of play? Well, you'll remember, Peyton, like Dennis Gates after the Minnesota game said Caleb Grill getting the technical is what inspired us to win, right? And so I think Mm -hmm. playing with that kind of an edge definitely could help in some of these situations like that. Um, We can talk about a little bit greater, a little bit later, I mean, but um, I I think this team has has pretty sorely missed Caleb Grill from being in the rotation. I don't think it's helped that they've played some tougher teams since he's been out. Like he, he went out right before the Kansas game, which is when the schedule, the strength of schedule kind of peaked. So um, yeah, they, they've been missing him pretty bad. And uh, without him, like, I I don't know that there's a lot of guys that can bring that kind of um, physicality consistently. Um, But you're right. They did do a better job of it against Alabama on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting, like, you know, there, there's so many incidents you can examine to just kind of get a read on, you know, 
who Dennis is and maybe who some of his like, you know, players are and how that, you know, kind of gets balanced. I, I think a lot of the times we're complimenting Tamar Bates on being kind of a fiery guy. I know during mm-hmm. the Kansas game, like, you know, he was the energizer when he would make shots. He was, you know, hyping his teammates up, hyping the bench up. And, and you know, sometimes, yeah, when a game gets chippy, you have Dennis kind of the calming presence, able to reel that in and say, all right, you know, keep it about, keep it about your own team. Don't do anything that's, you know, then going to, you know, have some sort of ramification or, or take something out on the other team. Um, I, I think you said it perfectly. I think you brought a good angle with the, uh, with the shove. You know, I think we're having a lot of different conversations if Oates gets a tech or even tossed for what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's the fact that there was no accountability given to the people who could have, uh, you know, yeah, I think you're right. Like it would have been, it would have been nice for the SEC to put in that statement. At, if that's all you're going to punish Nate for put in that statement, you know, Hey, we're also like, you know, issuing the refs a public reprimand for, yeah. for you know, a misjudgment there. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's, it, it was, it was an incident in a lot of instance. And I want to, I, I want to segue from there because you mentioned, you know, the Minnesota game, Caleb Grill gets the, the tech that kind of galvanizes Mizzou. They go on and win um, Alabama. It seemed like had the same thing happen to them. When you mentioned that Grant Nelson incident, he mm. blocks Anthony Robinson. He yells something at him. Gets called for a tech. Uh, Shawnee hits the free throws, and then Alabama uh, for the rest of the game outscored Mizzou. I wrote it down, forty-five to twenty-nine. Um, the defense and the kind of energy that was there. The way I described it was, it just kind of seemed like Mizzou ran out of gas. So I guess diving into the the game there, I mean, they they were in this game on the road against a good offensive team, and then in the last ten minutes, it kind of felt like it fell apart almost after that technical. What did you see happen uh, with this team's kind of defensive energy and just, you know, kind of overall presence on that end of the floor? Because it, it seemed to just kind of disappear. Yeah, I mean, you you brought up, you know, they were in this game. If you think about the whole season, they've been in every game other than Illinois, right? That's the only one where it was a disaster from buzzer to buzzer, right? But Kansas, they had a nine-point lead. Seton Hall, they only lose by six. Um, who's the uh, – uh, Georgia, right? They they have a lead with two minutes left. Um, I wrote in my column today, and, and Gabe really wrote about it after the South Carolina game, but they were up on South Carolina, Georgia, and Jackson State late in the game and just couldn't close out against any of the three. If you flip those to wins, we're talking about an 11-6 and six team instead of an 8-9 and nine team, which is not a great much better but it's it's at least like you have a shot at having a winning record this year um and so yeah like Alabama it it kind of reared its head again where Mizzou is in the game um and then just kind of falls apart at the end um you mentioned the the defense part of it was the defense but it was also like Alabama just started hitting everything you know Rylan Griffin had the two back-to-back threes that kind of put Alabama ahead for good and both of them Sean East had a hand in his face like you couldn't really ask him to defend it much better um but for this team it it pretty much seems like they can be good on offense or they can be good on defense right and they have really struggled to be good on both sides of the ball throughout the whole year um and so that's kind of been the biggest issue during these first four games of conference play is um they they haven't found a good balance yet Talk about that balance, uh, personnel, depth, the guys coming off the bench, who's going to start each week. 
big conversations all across social media and with us as well and trying to figure out who's going to be those guys that come off the bench and still going to these games you're seeing six eight guys coming off and very limited play you can say that Mabor only played four minutes Kurt Lewis played two against Alabama um, where do you kind of just go from here though I a lot of people calling for the freshman and Peyton's talked about it see the freshman out there sometimes it's just not even inspiring play it doesn't seem like they're actually mm-hmm. getting better in what they're doing can you kind of tell us you know from your perspective being around the coaching staff you know how they kind of evaluate and go forward especially I mean in a season that just feels lost already yeah I mean uh, the one thing that you can't question about the team is the fight right like I said they're not getting blown out in most of these games um, they were in that Alabama game I think they were down five with five minutes left to play and then before it all kind of fell apart so um it yeah like it, it's not like they're getting run over by every single team that they're going up against and uh my my editor Gabe likes to put it this way like he's like they played to the level just below their competition. And so that makes it feel a little bit more frustrating if I'm a fan, right? Because it's a team that shows it's capable of, of coming up with some wins and then it comes up short every time, right? And so it would almost be easier if they were getting blown out because then you could just write them off and say, this team isn't any good. Um, I think this team has the potential to be good. It just hasn't figured everything out yet and so um moving forward they they do have some interesting um paths they can take here because a week ago I would have said you know keep winning keep playing the seniors you never know um I I think you owe it to the team to at least see what happens when Caleb Grill gets back and and how good everything can be there but um then this week they shut down John Tanjay for the season um, I think that the plan is to redshirt him and bring him back next year and get that medical hardship waiver for him. Um, and I was looking into it. There's a possibility they could do the same thing with Caleb Grill. He meets the criteria for a medical hardship waiver. They haven't said that they're going to do that, to be clear. This is just speculation mm-hmm. on my part. But um, in December, which is when he had the injury, they said his timeline was five to seven weeks. Um, And it's been about six weeks now. And Dennis Gates hasn't really refreshed the timeline at all. So it's unclear if we'll see him again. Um, I, but I mean, if you're zero and four in conference play, like you said, there's not a whole lot to play for the season's kind of lost when you're zero and four. So um, it, it might be better to save him for next year and, and just do what you can this year, develop the freshman, like you said. I don't think the team's going to throw in the towel at any point, and Dennis Gates is going to make the freshman earn whatever opportunities they get. Um, but with those two guys injured, on top of Caleb Brown, who was a guy that he's not going to have a huge impact on the season, but they were anticipating he could play at least. Um they're pretty shorthanded and coming into this year um, a big strength of the team was going to be its depth. And uh, all of a sudden it's a team that doesn't have any depth. So I I think that those are kind of the biggest issues moving forward. Um, And and so they'll, they'll keep plugging away at it. But like you said, like, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot left to play for um, being eight and nine right now. Yeah. I'm going to jump back in here with a follow-up on that. 
Um, talking about Tanjay's injury, I, I heard on the broadcast that the cutoff was this Alabama game. If he had played in this mm-hmm. game, he wouldn't be able to get that medical red shirt. So, I mean, perfect timing there to kind of make that decision for him. Um, we talked about a lot of these swing games, you know, being in it the whole time. If Tanjay was healthy the whole year, if he had Caleb Grill this last month, I mean, how many of those games do you think would just flip the other way for Mizzou? Sure. Uh, so Dennis Gates went on Tiger Talk last night and, and Mike Kelly asked him, you know, what did Mizzou fans not get to see from John Tanjay? And Dennis Gates said he was our best player this summer um, and worked really, really hard trying to come back from that foot injury, but was just a shell of himself. Um, and, and so I think that they were expecting him a to shoot better. I think he was only making 33% of his threes. But if you're talking about a guy being your very best player in the summer, John Tanjay was supposed to play a lot more minutes than he got. Um, And so when you're missing a contributor like that, on top of Caleb Grill going out, like, yeah, this team lost like two of their best wings. Their only options right now are Tamar Bates and Kurt Lewis. Kurt doesn't always look like he's ready for big minutes. So if Tamar Bates goes to the bench, who do you send in for him right now, right? Your options are Anthony Robinson, who's kind of undersized for the small forward spot, or Noah Carter as a small forward next to two bigs, which um, doesn't always work out very well. Or like maybe Trent Pierce, who is another guy who doesn't always seem ready for big minutes. And so like, yeah, Caleb Grill or John Tanjay being healthy, I think could have really helped this team flip some of those close losses into wins. And we've touched on the depth, like, and you just touched on it there. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes the options coming off the bench are pretty murky. I, I believe Dennis said in his postgame conference, like, other than Jesus Carolero, um, who's kind of been big mm-hmm. uh, in conference play, he doesn't really know where the scoring off the bench is going to come from. I mean, what? I mean, we, we expected, like Kenny said earlier, and you touched on, um, the depth to be, like, really kind of the selling point of this team. I mean, what? Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's been injuries, but, I mean, what's kind of been the problem for some of the other guys off the bench? Yeah, so y'all want to hear something funny? I went back and listened to the podcast from the last time I was on, and I, mm-hmm. I wrote down all the things I was right and wrong about before the oh! season. Oh, Run, yeah, run, let's run through it. I want to okay. okay, so this the very first thing that I wrote down was I said that Connor Vanover was going to play upwards of 20 minutes and have a really big role on this team. Yeah. Um, C- Connor has been averaging about 11 minutes per game. Okay. He's cracked 20 minutes one time this season. <laughs> um, hasn't played quite to the level I thought he could. Um, coming into this year, he was the top shooting seven-footer in the country this year, he's making 17% from three. So um, I think that they were hoping for a little bit more than that from Connor. <laughs> um, next thing I got wrong, um, I, I said that I, uh, I was half wrong, half right here. Um, I think Peyton, you had asked me who are some of the guys they can lean on when they need a clutch bucket. So I said that I think Noah Carter is going to be leaned on a little bit more and he has, but the percentages his shooting percentages have dropped. He's shooting like a career low three point percentage right now. Um, I also said that Caleb Grill might be a guy he's been hurt. And then I also said that Sean East is probably the closest comparison to Deandre Golston, 
feel like I was pretty right on oh, that. Yeah. Um, next, I said that Ant was going to be buried on the bench. I said I didn't know how he's going to get on the floor playing behind Nick Honor and Sean East. And the answer is that Dennis Gates was going to start Nick Honor and Sean East together and then bring Ant off the bench behind them. Whether that was a good decision or not, I'm not going to say. Um, <laughs> Uh, I said that Trent Pierce was going to be a contributor on this team. Hasn't really been a contributor on this team. Um, I voted. You were, you were given some, you may have been given some misinformation. There. <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, they put out the video where like he scored 20 points and had 10 rebounds in the Jamaica scrimmage. Right. Yeah. And and so like the dots kind of connected between what we were hearing and, and what he was doing on the floor um, but it, it just hasn't translated this season. Yeah, he's young. Um, He'll, he's, he's got time. Right. Um, but I don't think that he's necessarily looked like a guy who would uh, exit college early to go yeah. to the NBA at this point, which is kind of what we were being told. Mm-hmm. Um, I voted Mizzou to finish sixth in the SEC prison season poll. Um, sixth place looks like a long way at the moment. Um, and then lastly, I said that the San Antonio Spurs were going to be good in the near future, and they look <laughs> abysmal right now. Hey, I promise to not bring them up. You let the record show you brought them up. Yes. I did not bring them up. <laughs> um, and then the two other things I got right, I said that Tamar Bates could end up being a secondary creator in the offense. I think he surpassed everybody's expectations right now. Yeah. He's shooting over 50% from three, uh, which is – unbelievable and then on top of that he's also 58 percent from two which is really good for somebody at his size and he's a 90 percent free throw shooter um i don't think they could be asking more from tomorrow base right now he's really developed and, and kind of unlocked a new level in this system and then the last thing was um i, I said that you know sean probably wasn't going to shoot 22 percent from three again I, I said that i think that he's been working on it in the summer and, and you'll see it improve a little bit it's improved a lot. He's doubled his percentage. It's gone up to 48% now. So, um, yeah, mo- mostly wrong, but a little bit right. Uh, no, I, mean, I, I, think, I think a I lot think, of people got most of their takes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and you so. couldn't account. I mean, you, you brought up the injuries. Like, I, I think that's that's really significant, and especially the idea, you know, Tanjay, Tanjay too, but especially with Caleb Grill, the idea that he, if they can get that done. And again, I know you said it's, it's just speculative, but I, I think that was good information to look into. Cause you know, th- I think that's a pretty exciting idea. If, if, you know, they're able to get that done or choose to do that, he comes back next year. And like, I've, I've talked about, you know, kind of being excited by the idea of like a Tamar Bates, Aiden Shaw, um, you know, you throw like an Anthony, a sophomore, Anthony Robinson out there, you include a Caleb grill in that lineup. And that's, that's an exciting four players, I think, you know, looking mm-hmm. forward. So, um, you know, there's, there's plenty to look forward to in the future. Um, and, and, and we'll give, we'll give you credit. I, I don't think, I don't, I don't think you need to be too hard on yourself, except for on the Spurs. That was tough. Um, <laughs> but Jack, I want to jump in there for a yeah. second. I think with a lot of, a lot of stuff going into the season, I think even like last spring when we were talking in May, we were still on the radio looking at these transfers, trying to figure out a starting five. We just thought about last season, a bunch of guys we had we'd never heard of coming to Mizzou mm-hmm. that were transfers, four years, five year guys, and then just exploding and uh, turning this program around instantly. I think, you know, even though with uh, Dennis and his staff whiffed on a lot of top targets and transfer portal, we saw guys coming in and we were like, you know, this is going to be one of those classes again. It kind of felt like more of a Conzo Martin class. You bring in guys that you don't know as well, and 
they just didn't really perform in your system right away. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of, I think that's where my mind went. I think I didn't know these guys and I, I still kind of trusted what Dennis could do. Yeah. Dennis definitely like earned himself the benefit of the doubt with last season. Right. And so, um, moving forward you can't give them that as much right so if they go into next season and they're bringing in more horizon league transfers that you're not very familiar with like you you're it's fair to be a little bit alarmed by that but um you know like you said dennis gates has like consistently outperformed expectations so i think it was fair to think he was going to do that again we are actuaries In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. And this year. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, it, it was, it was, a, it was an interesting, like, you know, I feel like he almost, he just had the year one that a lot of people expect like the new coach to have in their year two. Like that, that's just, that's just kind of how it, how it seemed right. to go. Um, looking ahead, they've got Florida on Saturday. Uh, that's at 7 PM on ESPN. You, um, you know, Drew, I don't know if you've, if you've done any research on the Gators yet, but maybe I'll ask you this take, like, you know, I want, I want, we're going to, you know, end things off with uh, some of the old guard from last year. And I want to ask you about some of the young players, but just to get ultimate doom and gloom about this team briefly, um, you know, I've looked at the SEC and it's a very weird year in the SEC. There's a lot of, you know, teams that feel a little bit fraudy, but there's a lot of very good teams as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I look at, you know, the rest of Mizzou's games. I know they play Vanderbilt. That game's on the road. I struggle to find where on paper, you know, I put them as a favorite, you know, against another SEC program going forward. And we're, we're talking about what, you know, these teams are going to get into for the rest or like what this team should get into for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it feels a little bit scary for me going forward, but any thoughts on Florida? And then, yeah, just kind of looking ahead, maybe uh, if you want to throw another prediction, we won't call you out if you're wrong this time, but <laughs> uh, you know, for, for kind of the rest of SEC play. No, I mean, I, I threw myself into the right and wrong. Yeah, bit, so that's... <laughs> we appreciate that kind of research. We don't do that kind of research on our own show. <laughs> you know, I, I, I got to hold myself to a high standard. But yeah, of course. Um, but you mentioned, you know, how many games are going to are they going to be favored to win? Probably not that many. Um, Ken Palm has them beating Arkansas at home, Vanderbilt on the road. And then Ole Miss at home, which Ole Miss might be one of those fraudy teams that you were talking about, Jack. Certainly. Uh, Certainly. Don't don't quote me on that, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, but so the, the way I would look at this is like up next, you've got Florida, who's one and three in conference. You've got Texas A&M, who's one and three in conference. And then you've got South Carolina, who um, you just took into overtime and were one possession away from beating, right? After that, you've got the two games that you're favored to win, Arkansas and Vanderbilt. So if you're going to come up with some wins, like this next stretch of the schedule is where you kind of have to get them. Because um, after that, it does get a little bit tougher. You've got Texas A&M again. You've got Mississippi State potentially with Tolu Smith back. Um, you've got Ole Miss on the road, Tennessee at home. 
like those are going to be a, a step up in competition. So, um, yeah, like this, these next five games here are going to be important. Um, looking at Florida specifically, I think that the game plan is going to be pretty similar to uh, what Mizzou did against Alabama, right? Because Florida and Alabama both um, like to play fast and shoot a lot of threes. Mizzou was able to kind of drag Alabama into the mud for a little bit and turn it into a rock fight, really slow the game down, make it a defense-oriented game. Um, and I, I don't think that Florida necessarily has the same firepower as Alabama. So if you are able to slow them down offensively, um, I think that Mizzou would be able to come out with a win if they can get a lead and hold it for a little while. Yeah, yeah we'll we'll see what happens. Um, you know, again, 7 p.m. on on ESPNU. I just blanked on the the outlet that you can watch. <laughs> um, putting them on mainstream, any mainstream ESPN. It's I guess sure. Is there a point? Is there a point where a team gets so bad they go back to SEC Network Plus, like for all the non-con games? Like, <laughs> Vanderbilt, whatever yeah, happens that, in Vanderbilt, that could, a, that could be a stinker game. <laughs> they're like two. They're like two forty in Ken Palm. They're they're very bad. Like, right. Oh I think they, oh, okay. They're one ninety one. Oh, oh all right. All right. Sorry, Vanderbilt. Sorry. <laughs> Give them some respect. Respect the Commodores. All right. Let's talk about the future, though. Um, mm-hmm. Talked a, a lot about what's going wrong right now with the current team. Um, four or sorry, five. Uh, uh, McDonald's All-American nominees right now: T.O. Barrett, uh, Marcus Allen, Peyton Marshall, Trent Burns, who's been with been on friend here with of the us show. before, friend of the show, and Anna Botang. I mean, what can you just say about that? That's something we've never seen before. I don't think any Mizzou fan would have ever guess that graphic would be posted. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I'll, I'll say this: I don't want to take anything away from that accomplishment. Congrats to them, McDonald's All-American uh candidates right like that's a huge deal not a lot of people get to have that distinguished honor but there's kind of a lot of mcdonald's all-american candidates y'all i'm, I'm just <laughs> I, I was a little bit surprised by like how many athletes got that distinction but again don't want to take anything away from them that's a huge honor right um and so, yeah, like you've got this really highly touted class. I don't know exactly where Rivals has them in the rankings right now, but I'm pretty sure it's still top five. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you've got Honor Boateng, who um, I, I think has a realistic shot to make that McDonald's All-American team. Like he's he's been really good this year. Um, T.O. Barrett has been... Um, playing for Link Academy this year, uh, which is a, a prep school. It's in the same league that Trent Pierce was playing in last year. Um, and kind of the word that we got about Trent Pierce, one of the reasons they were saying like, oh, he's he's looked really good this summer is they think that that year at AZ Comfort, uh, Compass um, really helped him, right? And, and moved him up a level. And so um, they're kind of expecting the same out of T.O. Barrett. They think that he's going to be one of the best point guards to come out of this class. Um, and then on top of that, you have Marcus Allen, who um, you mentioned, like, they need guys who can bring an edge and bring kind of a defensive mentality. Marcus Allen is your guy there. Um, and then your two big men, you got Trent Burns, um, who will be kind of hopefully a better version of Connor Vanover as a, kind of a stretch big. And Peyton Marshall, who... I think Dennis Gates called him the best passer in this class, regardless of position, which is pretty high praise for a seven foot, 300 pound guy. 
Um, he's been working uh, in uh, overtime elite league. I think he got traded at some point. I don't know <laughs> how that league works. <laughs> Crazy. He was oh, that league is that league is a circus. I'm sorry. Like good for him, but he also like ended but, a kid's career. I saw that he had like a dunk yes. kind of guy and then stepped over him. It, oh, I also saw like he blocked somebody. That's what it Yeah, the kid landed out of bounds and he tossed the kid he threw the, the ball. ball off him. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, like Peyton Marshall, like every clip I see of him, I'm like really impressed. And that's obviously like a, a really talented league to play in. So um, I, I think that they have pretty high expectations for him as well. Um, and then even after that, Kenny, uh, the 2025 class, they're, they're shaping up pretty well. It probably won't be as big of a group considering they're taking five freshmen this year, but They've already got Aaron Rowe locked up. He's going to be a five-star guy in his class. They think that he'll be the best point guard of his cycle. Um, and he's playing here at Tolton. I went out to his first game. Didn't play great. I think he only had 10 points that night. But last night, he drops 30. Um, so he's settling in pretty fine. And then, um, you know, the other guys that they're looking at are all pretty high up in the rankings. They brought in. Um, a couple of four stars in for a visit in the past couple of months. Um, I, I put out an article, I think like right at the beginning of the year, um, just going through all the guys they had offers out to. So you can find that on powermazoo.com. But yeah, like Dennis Gates, uh, at least from a, a high school level, is killing it on the recruiting uh, front. Yeah. And uh, so the hope is that he'll be able to do the same um, when it comes to the transfer portal this off season. Yeah, that's, that's right. a good point. Um, you, I, yeah. I, I just wanted to ask, you touched on it there. Obviously you got a huge freshman class coming in. They, I'm sure they'll bring back Tamar Bates. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously the three freshmen you assume will come back. Um, maybe they, they're bringing back Tanjay, maybe Grill on the medical on the medical red shirt, what does this team kind of need in the portal? You think? Because there's a lot of talent in that nucleus already, but maybe what do they need um, outside of that? Yeah. So I, I think the obvious one is probably another experienced point guard. Ants looked good for a freshman. I don't know that he'll be ready to kind of be handed the keys to the car. Um, he, he's been an awesome defender. I think he'll be, he'll make an all sec defensive team within his career. Um, but offensively it, it hasn't been quite as good, right? He kind of only scores when he steals the ball and, and runs up and transition. So um, that'll be kind of the biggest piece for his development. So I think it'll be important to bring in kind of a Nick honor or Sean East type where it's a guy who has proven he can run an offense um, and is able to help in that regard. Um, and then I, I think one of the biggest pieces they've missed this year, um, especially when Kobe entered the draft, was they just don't have anybody who can score on the block. Um, Noah Carter is pretty good when he gets a mismatch, but that doesn't always happen. Um, but like, you know, Connor Vanover hasn't been an elite post scorer. Aiden Shaw has a good percentage around the rim, but it's because it's all dumps, right? He's not 
backing anybody down. Um, and, and Jesus is kind of the same thing. He's, he's just kind of undersized, same as Noah Carter. So if they can find a seven-footer who they can dump it into at the end of a, of a possession and let him go to work, um, I think that that would have helped this team a lot this season. Yeah, Kobe showed you don't even need a seven-footer as long as they have right. the talent of a first-round draft pick. Um, exactly. You know, just someone, yeah, someone who could be a dog. Uh, yeah, I, you know, just just uh, looking to, I know at the recruits, uh, Boateng is the is the highest. He's 26 of all of those guys. Um, did see Trent Burns. He jumped up 10 spots on Rivals recruiting rankings. I know that's that's all, you know, arbitrary or whatever. But right. um, I guess if there's the most likely one that ends up, I think it's 24 um, guys make it on the all American team. I would assume it would be, it would be Boateng, but, um, yeah, it's a, you know, it's, it's an interesting look ahead. I think we've been so it's funny, Drew, you bring up like the point guard, you know, in Kenny and Peyton, like when I feel like when we've watched this team before, like even really Nick or Sean, you know, I guess we had Drew Smith for a little bit, but like that, that last Conzo mm-hmm. era team had no point guard and it was disastrous. Yeah. So I definitely, Coleman. yeah, yeah. <laughs> John <laughs> Coleman. Uh, so yeah, definitely, I, I think keeping the the experience there, yeah, yeah, and you know, like right before I came on the pod, um, somebody tweeted out that they offered a twenty twenty six. I uh, saw that, yeah, four star. I think uh, Dylan Mingo, we have him ranked number sixteenth in the class of twenty twenty six. He's six foot five as a sophomore, which is Jesus. ridiculous, and he plays point guard. So, um, yeah, I think that that's gonna be something that Dennis Gates looks for pretty much every season because guard play is pretty important for sure. Yeah. The all, uh, the always recruiting Dennis Gates. Um, Just trying to, just trying to reload. Um, Drew last thing I think we have is we we are going to flash back for the past, just for the sake of the people, Mm -hmm. you know, not to keep harping on the frustrations of this season. Um, Have you been following any of the, any of the guys from last year's team? I, this, I, we asked kind of in the wake of, Demoy Hodge, he, he got cut from the Lakers, but he, right. I think, is now on the Rip City Remix, the I think mm-hmm. it was Portland's G League team. Kobe, I think he had a tri- I think he had a triple double the other night. Um, Did he really? He I didn't even see that. that. I think uh, so. It was, I haven't, yeah. I haven't to the level that I've was hoping for. Um, it's okay. We're not expecting you to consistently watch <laughs> G League film. That's that's a little bit rude to ask. <laughs> you know, but you know. A, the Clippers look pretty good, um, and, yeah. and Kobe Brown, even though it's been a small part, has been a part of that. Um, and if they go on to win a title, like you can say that Mizzou had an NBA champion in back-to-back seasons, right, which go. not a lot of schools get to say that. Um, and then with Des Moines, I have no idea how G League transactions work because – it, they said that they traded a first round pick. Yeah, the Rip City it, Remix did. For there's them. a there's like a supplemental draft in the G League, so there are picks that can that can be exchanged. Which, right, you know. it, it, and so I I knew about the draft because Isaiah Mosley got taken mm-hmm. with like the eighth pick, and and he's I saw a clip of him having a really nice dunk, um, it, playing for the Wisconsin Herd. I don't know yep. if Jack, you're a big fan of theirs, but oh, oh very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was excited when I saw you got on the herd. Yeah. But, but yeah, like I, I was like, how does, how does Des Moines get waived and then traded? That seems kind of backwards, but good for him. You know, um, he, he hasn't been shooting as well as we're accustomed to seeing him shoot in the G league. And so, 
um, it, it made a little bit of sense for him to get kind of a reset on his career. And you knew that there was going to be interest in him once he did get cut. It was just a matter of like who was going to scoop him up. So credit to the Rip City Remix for doing that. I assume that DeAndre Golston is still balling out and hungry yeah, oh somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and so, yeah, like, I, I think it's still like a very positive thing that you're seeing these guys succeed at the pro level. Dennis Gates can still point to all three of them and say like, look, we sent them to the NBA after one season. Think of what we can do for you in four years. So, mm -hmm. um, and, and last thing I'll say, I am working on a story, um, about CY and, and kind of what makes him a recruiter. Um, and CY has a lot of guys he sent to the NBA. I don't think people quite realize, but like Derek Favors was uh, like a oh, top wow. five uh, guy in his his recruiting class, right? Spent one season at Georgia Tech, went to the league. Mm -hmm. um, Patrick Williams became, went from like, I think 20th in our rankings to number four in the draft. Um, Devin Vassell, I think had two college offers or something like that and, and became a lottery pick. Um, Malik Beasley is another guy. Scotty Barnes is another guy. Like, so they, they have a really long track record of, of sending guys to the league. And so, um, yeah, like that's, that's always a bonus where you, a selling point for them is that like, we, we can develop you look at who we've done that for already. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. So everyone, I mean, keep an eye on, go subscribe to Power Mizzou. You can read that story. Exactly. That, that that uh that sounds great yeah i'll have to check that out i know i know that was kind of a big selling. it's not it's not out yet but it i've got it kind of in the works at the everyone moment. everyone's got to pre-subscribe and then they're ready yeah yeah it. there you <laughs> go yeah exactly um yeah because i know that's a big that was a big selling point with gates with uh with leonard hamilton too was they they sent a lot of guys to the league um yeah i i mean you know so a lot to look forward to for the future of mizzou men's basketball even if the present looks a little doom and gloom everyone just you know calm down stay locked hey, in breather yeah yeah you're gonna see some aiden shaw dunks i want him to just keep making highlight plays so that yeah. next year everyone's like this is a you know this is a dog next year but um we'll see drew thank you so much we'll definitely we'll have you back on maybe sec tournament time maybe you can uh you can give us the scoop on how mizzou can upset whoever they play and uh you know maybe some march madness picks in there who knows yeah for Whatever. sure looking forward to it absolutely sounds good all right uh with that Everyone enjoy the rest of the show. We'll segue in quick hits. Thank you so much, Drew, for coming on. Thanks, Drew. No All right, quick hits time. Jerseys of the week. This is a big one, Kenny. Kick us off. Why didn't you talk about this in basketball in the basketball segment? They said it's because we saved it for jerseys of the week. What is your jersey of the week, Kenny? Uh, my jersey of the week goes to Mizzou men's basketball. Um, there was a post on X this morning teasing uh, New Jersey, and we can all kind of assume it's going to be that old gold jersey with the white block m a little bit bigger the m is bigger than the rest of the wording similar to the white jerseys that were worn last year as the throwback um seen a lot of people speculating that these will replace the gold jerseys that mizzou usually wore like on saturday games um in recent memory um sometimes for special occasion games i'm not against that uh, i think it's great to finally have some retro ties thrown back into this program and you get to just see what, you know, where this team has come. And, and it, for all like the other big schools around the country, they got loads of jerseys for, what was it, five straight years? We had mm -hmm. the same three uniforms. So this is a cool thing to see. Peyton, uh, brief jersey review. What can you gather from the uh, close-up clips? 
you, we were hoping this would get released while we were recording, but it hadn't. Yeah, I'm excited because I think Kenny is correct. I think it's going to be the old gold uh, Izuri, you know, M Izuri. <laughs> um, these jerseys are going to be beautiful if that's what they are. I mean, they've worn, I mean, there's photos of what they looked like back in the day. I don't know. Ordinarily, I'm like, let's just kind of ditch tradition. Let's do our own thing. But the basketball jerseys we have now, I mean, they're not horrible. I don't even hate the yellow one. The tiger one is horrible. No, I don't. I despise I don't even hate it as much as other people. But I don't don't know. Something about these retros. Like, I don't love the football retros. These retro basketball jerseys, though, my God, they're gorgeous. I don't know, man. The black M. It doesn't work for me on helmets a lot of the time. It's not impossible to make it work. It's had good looks. The Black M on basketball jerseys is absolutely gorgeous. Um, if they sell these gold jerseys, I will buy one. Uh, I bought the white Black M jersey last year. I will buy this one as well. These are, I hope, I pray these are the new alternates. Keep these yeah. in the rotation. Yeah, they're 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 clean. The ones last year, they wore them. It was Iowa State. Did they wear them again? Yep. No, they didn't. No, it was just Iowa State. Um, yeah, those were clean. I think these will look great. Um, I'm all, I'm all for throwback jerseys, especially in basketball. Like there, there's just so much you can do with the basketball jersey to make them look super clean. I hate the yellow tiger too. So if that's getting scrapped, I'm I'm all for it. Um, we had a good conversation with Dave Matter about the the future of the mm-hmm. Mizzou. Um, you know, uniforms all around. But uh, so go listen to that. Put in the comments if you're listening on the YouTube what your favorite uh, old Missouri men's basketball uniforms were. Maybe if you liked and if you're excited about the block M. Isery. Uh, Peyton, your jersey of the week's a guy who won't unfortunately get to wear this jersey. Yeah, no. Um, but we did touch on this already. I mean, Des Moines, he was traded, as we mentioned, for a first round pick in the G League draft over to the Brit City Blazers. Um, good for Des Moines. Um, happy to see he's still kicking around. Lakers fans are torn up about this fan. They liked Des Moines. And, uh, you know, that's a thing Lakers fans do, though. They love everyone that plays well in the summer league. Taylor Horton Tucker had like a four-year career. Uh, you know, he's only 19. Yeah. Um, so good for Des Moines, though. Glad he's still around. Um, yeah, we touched on it already, though. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm excited for Des Moines. Peyton, I do have to correct you, though. It's the Rip City remix. Um, remix, sorry. As as someone who's a, a big appreciator of G League team names, uh, my personal favorite being the Washington Wizards, which is the Capital City Go-Go, and it's hyphenated. There's some great G League teams out there. I think the Rip City remix is, like, new, too. Like, Portland didn't have one for a while. But, uh, yeah, shout out Des Moines. Um, um, my jersey, we asked, yeah. we, I'm going to cut in. We asked Drew... Um, off air, who is going to be tri- going to be oh, drafted yeah. <laughs> with that number one overall pick? And I, it, we, I asked him from the current Mizzou team. He went with Sean East, so look out for Sean East in the South Bay Lakers jersey next season. I liked what you and I said, Kenny. I think there's a team that's going to take a punt on Connor Vanover. I said, I said off air, like it's like a you know when you get in a relationship with someone who's who's got some issues, and you're like, I can fix them. I think ever, I think there's an NBA coach that's going to see Connor Vanover's just demeanor and size and stature be like i'm gonna turn that into something and before people in the comments get mad at that just remember taco fall was sticking on these g league okay and uh connor vanover he went through the draft process he got feedback you know he was in that one tournament got suspended for it got suspended got him suspended so um it's possible 
he would look great in a Greensboro Swarm uniform. Uh, There's Bull Bull, too. Um, Jack, you keep talking about relationship issues, like, with this stuff. Is this something you want to talk with us hey, about? Uh, yeah, I, you know, speaking of unhealthy relationships, my jersey of the week goes to Skip Bayless <laughs> and the Cowboys. That's an unhealthy relationship right there. Um, Skip Bayless, he, he posted his video after the Cowboys lost of uh, him throwing all of his Cowboys gear in in the trash can. Uh, it was an automatic trash can and the video is just really funny because he's going through and he like shows the camera each piece of gear and then the trash can just keeps closing and he has to reopen it and so it takes him forever and, and he's just breathing really heavy and uncomfortably like Skip Bayless does in whenever he posts this. Uh, it was just a funny meltdown and the Cowboys, my God, they find a way to lose in the playoffs every time. Nothing? No one has anything to add to that? <laughs> I thought you, Jesus I thought you, thought you guys no, said that you were going to bring for, it up. Did you want I to bring up your relationship for, issues? Oh I just, all right. I think Double it's one. really funny that you went all through all that. We had nothing to say. And you were you nothing to say. some water, so you couldn't even save it. I'll say this. <laughs> you can tell Jerry Jones is up there in age because the old Jerry, or I guess the young Jerry, he would have ripped. He would have ripped Mike McCarthy apart. Like Mike McCarthy would not have made it out of the stadium before being Andrew Kingsley. So yeah, they got retained, man. I have never. But I'll say this: somebody had a good tweet about it. This is as pre-fired as a coach has ever been. I mean, there is. He would have to like <laughs> go to the Super Bowl next year to save his job. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 bad. I was shocked too that he got he got retained. I thought they fired him at halftime. Um, but yeah, shout out Skip. He uh, doesn't have to worry anymore. You can go to Cancun with the rest of the Cowboys. Uh, next up, Shawnee's. I second. like no cap, and he's the main bird. Shawnee's member of the week, Kenny. Uh, shout out former Cardinals ace Adam Wainwright, who secured a full time position with, as a Fox MLB a- analyst on Thursday. Um, I mean, there are probably some people listening to us that are Cardinals fans, probably excited that Adam Wainwright is no longer pitching for your team, but excited <laughs> for him to be in the booth. I enjoyed him during the postseason this past year. He's very intelligent, um, knows a lot about the game, has some good Southern twang to the way he talks. And we know he's a great musician as well. So congrats to Adam Wainwright. I don't know about that last point, but um, I mean, he, him and Yachty, I mean, they have to be the the bird segment champs, right? Like we have mentioned them so many times. Yeah, it had been a, it's been a while since we got the Cardinals in. I guess it is the off season, but that's true. Yeah. Um, we're uh, gonna stick with the Cardinals uh, for my main bird, but of course, NFL Cardinals, and he doesn't coach there anymore. Cliff Kingsbury, <laughs> um, the former embattled uh, Cardinals coach, who after he was fired by the Cardinals, he took a one-way plane ticket to Thailand or something like that. Yep. And just went I off the grid. Um, he is interviewing for my Chicago Bears OC job. He, of course, is currently an offensive analyst and the quarterback's coach at USC. Just adds a lot of fuel to the uh, Caleb Williams fire. Um, I kind of hope he gets the job. I think it'd be so funny. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, of course, looked fantastic in the Johnny Manziel box. <laughs> Noted winner of that. Uh, my main bird of the week, I'm sticking in the NFL as well. Uh, I'm doing Jim Harbaugh as my main bird of the week because he interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons head coaching job. The Falcons, they're swinging for the fences in terms of uh, 
name recognition for their next head coach. Interviewed Belichick, interviewed Jim Harbaugh. Um, we'll see. This obviously would be a big thing for both college football, I guess, and the Falcons if, if Jim Harbaugh decides to bolt for the NFL. Um, I know Michigan's trying to give him a, a shit ton of money to stay at uh, with the Wolverines, but uh, do you guys think John Harbaugh should become the next Falcons head coach? I'm asking a question because if I just leave it open for feedback, you two will just say nothing. So <laughs> it's not not the Falcons head coach. I think that's going to Belichick, but um, Chargers head coach he makes all the sense in the world. Oh I think yeah, that would be good. Certainly, um, an option. I don't think he's going to get the Falcons head coach. It seems like it's Chargers or Michigan at this point. Okay. All right, Kenny. Nothing. Still nothing. Uh, yeah, you Quiet seem very tense right now. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm a little bit flustered. Weird. Bill Belichick owns the city of Atlanta, uh, and <laughs> him just going there. I think that's just a really sad move by the Falcons. But props to them to find their next coach. That would be funny. I you don't, don't think it, he he'd be a fit in hot Atlanta. <laughs> no, you like get some hot wings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, Peyton, what'd you learn this week? Uh, best thing I learned this week, folks, the Sierra Nevada desert is becoming a battleground. I don't even know if that's actually fully in Nevada, but Nevada football is back is the point. Okay. Um, this all, this was a big Twitter spat. It involves Barry Odom, our favorite old Mizzou coach. Ah. Um, Jeff Choate, the uh, new head coach at Nevada. He took over for Ken Wilson, who was absolutely horrible there. Um, he tweeted, planning a flag down here, uh, or down here planning this flag, hashtag launch, and it was a big Nevada flag in the city of uh, Las Vegas. Of course, that's where UNL. It was an is. edit. He wasn't, he wasn't actually yeah, there planning. Yeah, no, he wasn't actually putting it at a big flag down there. I assume it's a recruiting bat signal, but he, he tweeted that, Barry Odom, how about this? Barry Odom's uh, flexing the social media chops. He quote tweets it with, just a photo of the Fremont Cannon. Uh, if the Fremont Cannon, of course, is the trophy that's given out to the winner of this rivalry game. UNLV was the winner. Um, and Jeff Choate replies, 28-21, to 21, if you know, you know. Um, that is, of course, calling back to a game between him and Barry Odom. And Barry Odom quote tweets it with 40-21, to 21, 340 on the ground, if you know, you know. Um this is in reference to when Arkansas, just a few years ago in 2021, beat Texas 40 to 21 and ran for 340 yards on the ground. The reason he tweeted that was Barry Odom at the time, defensive coordinator for Arkansas, Jeff Choate at the time, defensive coordinator for Texas. So he got run all over. Jeff Choate did not have a response to this, kind of a mic drop moment. For Barry Odom. Good for Barry Odom. Where was this at Mizzou, man? This is fire. He didn't win enough to do this at Mizzou. <laughs> I guess not, but I mean this was sick. I, I was like yeah. fired up for Barry Odom. Good for him. That is a good that is a good burn. Well done, sports talk, Barry. Can I he... think this is a, a post saying that he's down in Las Vegas recruiting, is what okay, the actual term be, is. Because yeah. a lot of the coaches are on the road at the moment. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. What'd you learn, Kenny? Um, what I learned uh, this week um, is a follower of ours. And this this made me actually pretty excited when I saw the, the tweets. This was Mary cool. on, on X. Um, she is a, a coach for uh, Prairie State College women's basketball team um, on the D2 level. 
Um, and then that was really cool to see. And um, she was tweeting at us, just saying she was listening to the podcast and heard us or heard uh, Jack mention Kyle Riggs. Um, little miscommunication though, because it ended up being that she knew who Kyle Riggs was. Um, but her friend was Colin Brown, who was also an offensive lineman for the Mizzou Tigers back in the day. Oh. Um, very cool, though, that I mean, she was listening and just kind of tweeted at us. And uh, it was like the Leonardo DiCaprio gif pointing forward and being like, oh, my gosh, I know who that is. And uh, very cool to see. I, it makes makes my day. I bet it makes you, your guys day when people do that. Yeah, that was sick. Mm-hmm. Shout, thank you for listening, Mary. And I'm glad I'm glad, you know, shout out to Colin. Um, I hope. I hope the women's basketball team wins the Illinois Skyway Conference, which is what they said they play in. So she did. She also gave a good breakdown because we were talking about uh, how Gates is. Well, I think I was the one that brought it up. Was Gates kind of lacking more creativity on offense? And as a coach, she gave like insight as to like why that could be. Talking about the personnel and stuff. So good Twitter interaction, Mari. We're uh, glad you listened. Yeah. Yeah, shout out. Um, we can be a prairie, we can be a prairie state college podcast. We they're they're my they're our new favorite team in the <laughs> Illinois Skyway Conference. Um, my best thing I learned this week. This one I won't even I I don't blame you guys for having no input in. This is kind of just stupid uh, Ken Palm uh, fun on Twitter. But uh, guys, there's two colleges that have have pretty similar names. One plays in the Pac-12. One plays in the Peyton. What conference does Sanford play in? Uh, they play in the SoCon. Oh, I thought you know that off the top of your head. I, Whatever I the conference they play in. Um, this was just funny on Twitter. So Ken Palm obviously ranks every single team. And uh, for a while, someone was tracking the uh, distance between Stanford, of course, of the Pac-12, and Samford, the Bulldogs, who are like a mid-major team. Uh, you know, it, it went over a couple of days. Samford won a game. They beat Western Carolina on January 16th. Uh, which meant wow. on Ken Palm, they were only one spot away from Stanford. So it was Stanford, then Samford. Uh, this is kind of dumb, but I just thought it was kind of funny. They sound the same. Uh, Samford, 16-2 and two, uh, in the league. So maybe a dark horse, I don't know, March Madness team to watch. They get like a 13 seed. But they're one away from passing their very close to same name uh, opponents. Also uh, scored like 150 points in a game. So high, how high, high-powered offense from the Bulldogs. Tell you what, whoever comes out of the Southern is very likely going to be a trendy upset pick. There are good teams in that conference this year. You got Samford, obviously, Western Carolina, the team they beat. They are really good. They're like 15 and three or something uh, from Kolawahi, North Carolina, North Carolina, mind you. Um, you got Furman, who beat Virginia last year. They're in that conference. They're mixing it up. So good, good, uh, good basketball conference down there. Yeah, shout out. There you uh, go. They are... you got input. Yeah, thank you. I don't. I'm I'm shocked of all of my points. That one is the one that gets any input. They're 80 and 81 on Ken Palm. If anyone wants to continue to keep track, uh, shout out uh, Bucky McMillan, who is who is tweeting all of that over the last couple of days. It was just making me laugh. Uh, love a good love a good Ken Palm. Um, look ahead. Uh, that that's it. That's all I have. I I don't. I'm kind of done. I, I'm going to go about the rest of my day in a sour mood. Um, after what happened earlier, Peyton, perhaps you can enlighten it with a joke that we can force Kenny to listen to. Maybe I could. <laughs> Are you not gonna? Nope. Oh my god, I've lost all control. All right. I saw him looking it up. It's definitely on his screen right now, and he's gonna we'll save it in a couple seconds. No, it doesn't sound like he's gonna do it. I guess we'll end the show. I hope everyone enjoyed. 
watching. Um, we thank Bet Online for sponsoring the show. Unwritten presented by them. We'll be back on Monday with uh, with a we'll recap the Florida game for men's basketball. Maybe we'll have a DC by then. Kenny is just sabotaging the screens. Until then, this one comes from the. Oh, oh, he kicked him out. Go back and make. Uh, come back. No. Yeah. Nolan. What's a pirate's favorite letter? Arg. Arg. Oh, Arg. see, you guys, you think it's R, but it's C. actually the C. Oh, 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 oh. Who wrote that one? Uh, I believe Hoda wrote this one. Oh, Meredith Vieira. Um, yeah. All right. Well, Thank the show. You, Hoda. Thank you, Hoda, for the joke. We'll see you guys Monday. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, go enjoy the Florida game. We'll see. Uh, it was a good interview with Drew. Keep an eye on his uh, on Power Mizzou. Subscribe to that. You'll get his feature about a CY down the road. But uh, until then, everyone have a fun safe week. We'll see you on Monday.